Hi there, and welcome to Vet Talk. Uh, for today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how I became a veterinarian and a specialist in how kind of how my career happened. Um, this was uh, Topher's idea because apparently, as my husband, he, he doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was actually kind of, uh, yeah. Uh, but we can talk about it in a little more detail, um, with the hope being that uh, if anybody out there is thinking about becoming a veterinarian and listening, this might help you. Um, but not just—we're not going to stop it when it became a vet. We'll keep talking about everything after that. Um, and also you're more than a vet because I'm, I'm more than a vet. Yeah, Super I have vet. so many letters. Um, but also, if you're listening and you go, "Wow, that's really different from my story and how I got where I am," please reach out to us, um, and we'd love to have you on the show to talk about it because I. I think the more stories we we tell with different um, kind of paths is helpful for folks. So um, so please don't feel like this has to be the one and only story that we tell. I would much prefer to hear from other folks too. Uh, so with that, uh, yeah, in the beginning. In the beginning. So let's start at the let's start like your junior year of high school. In your junior year of high school, you want to be a vet. I mean, yeah. All right. I, so then, you know, I mean, I wanted to, I, I, I think in third grade, I wanted to be an archeologist. And then after that, I so think that's just cause it was a fancy bet. word. I think it's just a, a fancy word. And yeah. I was like enamored by, I was like, yeah, that sounds really fancy. Um, and then I got a little older. I always liked animals, um, which is a common story for people who become veterinarians. That's not unique. Um, but yeah, so then becoming yeah, a veterinarian. I feel like you either really like animals or you really Stop. Like That's terrible. Nobody becomes a veterinarian because they don't like animals. It's a, it's a joke that he likes to tell. Um, <laughs> you torture animal. You should tell the bus story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, when I lived in uh, Gainesville. Back in the back day. when I was happy. Oh, you're so mean. <laughs> we just moved to Virginia, and I've lived in Florida my whole life. His entire life. So I used to live in Gainesville, and I would ride the bus there, and um, there was one of the bus drivers. Uh, some, one of the students was talking to him. And like, oh, what do you like to do? He's like, oh, I really like animals. Like, oh, you should become a veterinarian or a vet tech or something. He's like, oh, that's the worst thing I could do. He's, he's like, I like, he's like maybe like a dog walker or something. But when you're a vet or veterinarian, you, you have to, you have to give them shots. It's like stab them and then they die. And like all these, ter- I just want to, I love animals. I love animals. I just want to pet them and <laughs> give them walks and treats and stuff. He's like, I never want to be a veterinarian. Yeah. It was, it was, it's actually somebody who understands kind of well what it is we do. It is not just sitting around hugging and, and cuddling with, with cute animals. Uh, it's almost never that. Um, maybe every once in a while, depending on what you do. But uh, yeah, uh, I, was, I was very lucky um, that when I was really little, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. And when I got older and could understand a little bit more what it was, it was like, actually, this does make sense because I do like science and, um, and, and I like kind of that problem solving aspect of things. So um, I think like a lot of people, it worked out um, that being a veterinarian was good for me, but it's not like when I was, you know, nine, I, I knew what I wanted to, cause I understood everything up. You don't, you don't know. Um, and so I think a lot of people have this idea of what a veter- veterinarian is and like, yeah, that's a great job. And then later they're like, well, that's not really for me. Um, there's probably also some people who, you know, think they want to be a veterinarian and then go through all of it and then go, this isn't what I thought it was. Yeah. So for you, when you're, when you're going, when you're choosing colleges, yeah, you know that you want to be a vet. Yes. That's, Yes, That's your goal. I did know. Actually, Which is a leg up on most people. Yeah, most people are like, I don't know. Just... It, the funny thing for me, though, um, the way that factored in is I was living in Michigan at the time. I've lived in more places than Topher has. Um, I grew up in Southern California, but my family moved to Michigan when I was uh, 15. And so I finished high school and then went to undergrad. 
when I was choosing colleges, I did have the plan ultimately of going to vet school. And so a lot of people were like, oh, Michigan State University is the obvious choice for undergrad. And I was like, not true. That's actually the opposite. That's like the last place I want to go because why do I want to go to the same place for eight years when I could go somewhere else for four years and then um, and switch schools? So um, I also didn't want to play softball there. <laughs> so um, I, I did play softball in college and, and uh, I got recruited um, by a few places and um, I didn't really love the, the program at the time at Michigan State. Um, although it was a good choice because my sister, who's just a year older than me, was playing softball at the University of Michigan, um, which Michigan State thinks that U of M, uh, UM uh, is a big rival in sports. You, University of Michigan doesn't think the same way. They think the Ohio State is their big rival. But anyway, um, I, I actually thought it was important for me to go somewhere that didn't have a vet school. I don't know if that was the right choice. It obviously worked out for me in the end, um, but I thought it was good to, to go to a different place. So did you know any of the things that you had to look for in a university when you go um, for a for vet, vet school? school? Uh, Before you went? Like now looking back, you know everything that you need, but yeah, I don't know that I cared that much. I don't, I don't think I was old enough or, or, you know, I just don't think you have the awareness and it, it frankly doesn't matter. I did look into that. Like, do, do you have an advantage for doing this? The big advantage you have, um, for getting into a vet school is happen to, if you want to live in a state that has a public vet school. So if you live in a state that doesn't have its own vet school, and many, 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 many states don't, um, you are at a disadvantage because taxpayers pay, um, you know, to support those schools. And they're like, well, if, you know, a bunch of Floridians are paying to, you know, help support the vet school in Florida, then we should favor Florida residents to be accepted into this school. And so that's true for, for very many of the, the publicly funded vet schools out there. Um, so that might be a way to be strategic, but, but as you were already as, in Michigan. So yeah, so that didn't matter for me, um, at that to, point, like established residency. And I else. went, you know, I went to Grand Valley state university that didn't have a pre-vet major program. Um, you know, they had biology. You can actually major in anything you want and still get into vet school. There are prerequisites that you have to take. Um, and there are really common prerequisites that you can get at I, I, virtually any school. I'm not aware of any school that doesn't offer, you know, the chemistry courses you need, the biology courses you need, things like that. There are some differences between the vet schools and their exact prerequisites for what courses you need to take. Um, so, you know, that might be worth looking into, but you don't necessarily even have to take all of your prereqs at the school you're going to. There, there's definitely um, plenty of opportunities to say, oh, um, my school doesn't offer this or I don't like the program they have for this. Um, I'm going to take this course somewhere else. Yeah, that, that but, sounds hard. It, it sounds like a big pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, so now, now you've picked your college because yeah. of softball, not yeah, academics. Bit, yeah, um, <laughs> it was a good school. And you're there. Um, what did you do to become a vet when you're at college? I was a college student. You're a college student. That, that was it. I so mean, you didn't really think about it. I did to some degree. Um, I, I did think about it in the fact that my school didn't have like a pre-vet organization, and so I started one. So I was like, hey. There's like two or three other people in the whole university who were like, I also want to be a vet one day. And so we started a club. Um, What'd you do for your club? Did you just go like, we want to be vets? And you got together and talked about how you wanted to be vets? Or did you guys look stuff up and So try we to looked help stuff up. Other? Actually, yeah, we reached out to um, Michigan State, which was the local vet school for us. And we got information on admissions. And, and it, was mas- it was kind of a support group though. Like, hey, what do you guys, what do you need to do to get into vet school? And yeah, just like-minded individuals. We didn't do like weird animal related things. Yeah, you didn't like go to the vets and 
volunteer no, together? Um, not together, but it would have been, it was really small. There were like four of us. Yeah. Um, it's gotten a lot bigger since then. I'm really proud to say it still exists. Um, and but how many years ago was that? Shut up. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, 20 long time yeah it was two decades ago so uh, that's impressive though that it stuck around right but nowadays there's probably good pre-vet uh clubs online oh yeah probably whatever social media people use oh right now. well we had that show with alex avellino um and and so uh underrepresented no more has a lot of information oh yeah that's on, right on get, resources that's actually so her job like that. yeah that is Florida literally is her job but she it's open one. to anybody even if so you're that's not another thing i guess if you're looking to get into vet yeah school, we didn't have such and such vet school yes. and there's probably a person Oh, they have admissions counselors. Every yeah. vet school does. Um, and that's, yeah, Hilda Mejia Abru was the um, admissions counselor at Michigan State. I yeah. don't know if she still is. She might still be there. Um, but uh, she was really helpful um, back in the day. And uh, yeah, so we got information from them and, and just, yeah, it was mostly just having other people to chat to. And then I was the oldest person in the group. I was a senior um, when I created that club. So everybody else was um, younger than me. So then I got into vet school and then it was like, boom, how did you do that? And so I actually went back and, and like talked to that club um, a year or two later just to be like, here's what I did and here's some advice I have. Um, so really it's just a, a networking thing to like get to know other people. Um, so that's, that's nice um, to try to do something like that. So look for a, a pre-vet club at your school. There's also the, um, there's like a national organization um, it's like a scavma based one. I yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, working on the new buttons. Yeah, yeah. I've quite figured out stuff yet. <laughs> so the, yeah, uh, it's the. I think it's the. It's part of like scavma, um, the student chapter prevent. Look it up. Google it. You'll find it. I, you guys are better at that than me because back when I was. An undergrad, the internet was not there what it was is today. No there, there wasn't Google. That's true. There wasn't Google. We yeah. did have internet, but it was really different. I don't know if I had Google when I was in. I don't think you did. Yeah, yeah. My husband is a little bit younger than me, Facebook which he likes to just point out. Started my sophomore year of college. Yeah, and you could only be friends with people in your university. Yeah, not outside your university, which is just very different now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Not we're gonna go on a fun Facebook tangents, but all right. So then I I so funny thing for me that I think the reason I got into vet school was not because I had the best grades because I didn't I didn't have bad grades I, I had good grades I don't remember what were exactly your grades if, just so I people know what I good think, and bad is I think my GPA not one hundred percent sure it it was around a three point five it was either a three point six or a three point four I can't remember if it was just above or just below a three five I think it was a three point six getting into vet school so that's really good. I thought it was really good, but it yeah. wasn't like some people are like, oh, you don't have a 3.8 or a 3.9 yeah. or a 4.2. And you're like, ah, you're ridiculous. But but you didn't try to have a perfect GPA. No. Because I know of people that have yeah. tried. It's like, oh, I got to be in a class, so I'm dropping that major and I'm going to get an easier major no. just so I can have a 4.0. No, no, no. You don't need to do that. What I think was more important for me, because I had a, a very good GPA, but I think more important for me was that I was well-rounded. I played softball. I was also involved in a lot of other organizations, not just starting the pre-vet club. I was in an improv group because I was such a huge nerd. <laughs> like I still am. Um, I was in an improv group. I, I joined all sorts of organizations. Like I... I loved undergrad. Like I took advantage of everything I could and got involved with as many things as I could. So I would encourage folks to enjoy undergrad. And I don't mean like get drunk every night, but I mean like do things. Like this is your opportunity to like kind of sort of be an adult, meaning you have, you get to make your own choices, but like 
it's not the same. You don't have the yeah, same most responsibilities. Things are free. Yeah. Like just like, do all the things. It's not even just your parents paying for it. The gym's free. Yeah. It's all included. All the clubs are free. Like we, you've paid for it. Anyway. We, uh, we paid city league softball and you got to pay for that. Yeah. We used Whereas to be able to college, do that for like, free. Well, just go do it. Yeah. So do all the things, take advantage um, while you're in college. Are there and people I, that want to do it now. Yeah. That was the thing. City leagues. Oh, we need people to show up. Yeah. You have to like beg people to they do things. Jobs and dogs. Yeah, there you're returning people away. We have too many hurt. Yeah. That's kids. <laughs> you don't have any of that in college. Maybe a dog. I don't know. Some people you just have kids leave in college. it there. <laughs> but so what I'm saying is, don't worry that like you have to have everything be just perfect and your GPA has to be perfect. But you can do that if you're not going to do anything else, and you probably should have a pretty darn good GPA. But I would say it's better for your mental health and probably makes you a more well-rounded um, applicant, and ultimately probably better veterinarian is to do other things, and they don't have to be vet or animal-related things. Um, most of my stuff wasn't, so that was good. Now, one thing I did do that I think was really helpful is um, I did get a job at a veterinary hospital. Um, and most colleges will, or most vet schools will require some amount of hours, experience hours, whether that's volunteering or working or whatnot. But I think it was really good for me just to be like, hey, let's make sure this is the job that you want. Um, and so um, I found a, a local vet clinic uh, in the area where I was going to undergrad. I think it was not until my sophomore or junior year. Um, and I applied. And basically I was like, yep, yeah, I want to go to vet school and I want to get some experience. And they hired me, which was cool because uh, <laughs> I didn't have any experience. And I can still remember like the very, very first time um, one of the techs, her name was Jill, let me um, do a blood draw on a dog. And it was just like, it was amazing. It was just the greatest thing ever. And uh, and I got it on the first try. And so I was like, man, I'm really good at this. Of course, the next 30 times I tried, I didn't get it. I got lucky on that first one. <laughs> but it was still just like so exciting. And then learning about um, you know some of the, the problems that animals get into and the solutions. I, I still remember being blown away when I learned about um, dogs getting into antifreeze and then what the, the antidote essentially was. It was like, so you could get them drunk. You know, like learning about that was just awesome. And so I, I think I realized really early it's on- like reinforced that it you want absolutely to do this. reinforced. I like enjoy this doing this. Is, this is so cool. Yeah, if you, uh, if you do like an internship for a job or something and you're like, I don't like this. Then you, you shouldn't probably aren't do gonna like this. the job either. No, you shouldn't do it. Like I was excited about like the littlest things. I was just geeking out about everything. Um, and I, I was at a great um, clinic and people were really, really nice and supportive. And I worked hard and, and whatnot, but like I just really got excited. But not just about like, oh, the animals are here, but like the doing of the medicine, the the concepts and um yeah, the animals are obviously really cool. And you know, that's when I learned I was more of a cat person than a dog person. I didn't actually know that until later in life. Um, I had family members who were allergic, so we never had cats. So I always thought I was a dog person. Not true. Uh, I'm a cat person. And it was a big orange fat cat in one of the cages at that clinic that, um, that taught me that. Anyway. All right. So now you're in college. <laughs> when did you look at the application process? I don't know. Probably in my senior year. In your senior year, so you I mean, like I probably look. Looked, I probably looked. No, I'm sure. No, I did. I would like have done that in going, like the pre vet club um, and stuff like that. I looked into what you needed to do, yeah. making sure but I was taking like, all the courses. Freshman year, writing everything down, like preparing your CV. I was for, not that person. Yeah. I'm sure there are some people who aren't good on you, but I was busy um, and I did a lot of other things. So probably like around the time I jo- I started the pre vet club, which I don't remember if it was my sophomore or junior year, um, but it definitely it was your senior year. I don't remember. 
No, I think I started it before that. I was the oldest person who okay. was in it. That everybody who was in the club was younger than me, but I think it was actually my junior year that I started the pre-vet club. And so now you're applying um, and you're filling out the application. What kind mm-hmm. of stuff do they ask for? Um, that's probably different now, but at the time they just kind of asked, you know, norm, I feel like it's fairly normal, like application information, like tell us about yourself, write a personal statement, you know, um, that's I think pretty normal for most vet schools still. And how um, was your personal statement? Was it like a story? Oh, like- I don't, I mean, I don't remember what it was anymore, but I hope it wasn't a story. Oh, you don't remember? I don't remember. Um, I probably, I, I think what mine was more of a letter of intent. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I talked about softball, um, and how, because that was like one of the biggest things that I did. And I felt like that was the thing that made me stand out, um, more than other things. Um, and I talked about like teamwork and how that was important and hard work and being able to balance multiple things. Like I, I played that and I was like, yeah, I was able to be a varsity athlete for four years and we were good. Like <laughs> we actually, we went to, you know, we were second in the nation my junior year. Like we were good. This took up a lot of my time. I practiced every day, games on weekends. We traveled, things like that. And I was able to maintain good grades. So I played that up. The teamwork aspect, the leadership aspect, the, um, ability to balance multiple responses. Responsibilities. So that's what I focused on. Um, I talked about, you know, the clubs that I joined and just different things that I did. I, I tried to say, this is why I am a little bit different than everybody else who's coming through. And this is what makes me awesome and why you should totally pick me. And then uh, how many places did you apply? Um, more than one, um, but I only got into one. I only got into Michigan State. I know I applied to Ohio State. I think Penn and probably probably the five or six is what yeah. I applied to. Because at the time, you had to pay an application for each place you applied. I think they have like lump groups of it now. I don't know exactly. I haven't applied in a long time. Mm-hmm. So um, um, so I didn't apply to like every vet school there was because I just couldn't afford to. Um, obviously, I was going to apply to the in-state one. And, and that's where I was most expecting. The other thing, though, I had to look at well, what were the prereqs. There were some schools that I didn't have all the prereqs. And so I didn't apply to What were the kind of prereqs this. that you didn't get? There was one. Um, embryology was a course that a number of schools... Embryology, I don't right? know that course. What's, I know. Yeah. So it's, it, some of them required it. Um, a lot of them no longer do the ones that used to, um, some vet schools used to teach it in school and a lot of them don't anymore because they realized it's maybe not as crucial, um, as they might've once thought. Um, so there were some schools that I didn't actually have the prereqs to apply. Like I couldn't have gotten in because I didn't satisfy all of their requirements. So that helped me make some decisions. <laughs> um, and I was like, ah, yeah, I, I don't think we had an embryology course at my undergrad. So it was like, meh, okay, I'm not going to do that. But I could have, if I really wanted to, um, you know, go to one of those schools, uh, I could have made that work. But, um, so it is, you know, that's, I, I probably could have and should have done a better job at like looking into that in but advance. But you don't have to. But you don't right. have to. Because you are. A, a veterinarian. successful veterinarian. That's true. Right yeah. now you're not, but in two weeks you'll be <laughs> yeah, right a now I'm unemployed. Yeah. veterinarian again. Um, yeah. No, I think I've, I've done pretty well. So, so what yeah. would you have done if you didn't get into any vet schools? What was the plan there? The plan would have been to work um, at probably at the same place I'd been working or maybe move back, you know, to where my parents live, maybe even move back in with my parents. I don't know. Uh, I didn't discuss that with them, but um, it would have been working at a vet clinic and trying to, you know, make my application stronger. Um, how, my, many, how many tries do you think you would have given it? I don't know. Um, I, I probably for, for sure I would have tried at least one more time. Um, then 
I think that's really hard to say. I think it would maybe depend on the feedback you get, you know, because they do give you feedback if you don't get in. They tell you how to be better or something? Yeah. They say these are the weak points. Um, most places will. That's these nice. are the weak points on your application. If you get to the point of interviewing, these are, you know, this is, if you got to the point of interviewing, then the interview probably made or break, you know, made or broke you. Um, and so they would give you feedback for that. Absolutely. So um, I would have tried to focus on the areas that they told me, hey, you need to work on these. Um, but I wouldn't have tried we, forever. We noticed. We did um, a study trying to figure out differences yeah. in testing for vet students yeah. and the standard deviation for SAT, GRE, um, GPA, GPA, like all those things. Um, what is it called? The specialty GPA, like your science GPA. Yeah. The standard deviation was nothing yeah, for all of them. So that means all the students the are the same. So that, that means that it's saturated. So people that are yeah. good candidates that you would accept yeah. can't get accepted because there aren't enough right. spots. So you can right. be the perfect candidate yeah. and you have you a chance not, of not getting get accepted. In. But yeah. the, if you keep doing it, you yeah. eventually will. So just... there, there might be other ways to make yourself a standout. Like you can't go back and really fix your GPA, but, but you can yeah. you can change those experiences and do something that, again, makes you stand out. Do something different, whether that's volunteering you with your church or whatever. Yeah, that doesn't mean, yeah, that doesn't mean you're not qualified. There's yeah. only so many spots. Yeah, that's a good point. So don't give up after just one try. Um, but... Eventually, I probably would have been like, uh, okay, maybe this isn't for me. But you got lucky and got it the first yeah, try. I know. It was nice. I don't know if it was entirely luck. <laughs> Not entirely. I mean, you did the work. <laughs> but yeah. You were yeah. lucky of the pool of yes, qualified people. Yes, yeah. Um, I think I interview well, which helps me. Um, it's an advantage that I have for whatever reason. Anyway. Um, oh, what was the interview process like? Was that, was that weird? It was super weird. So it was like the first time you've ever done an interview. So the way they did it at Michigan State at the time is it would be you and a panel of three other people who um, I think they were all faculty at the university at the time at Michigan State. Not 100% sure about that. Um, yeah, the UF, there's they the, do a student. Like local... um, they do somebody who works at UF, like a faculty at UF, and then they do a local veterinarian, yeah. which I think is pretty cool. Um, but so interviews have, have interviews are problematic as well. But um, what's that? It may have been that too, and you're just... It wasn't a student. I know there wasn't a student. I feel like I would have remembered that. Um, but I think it was all faculty at, at Michigan State, but I'm not 100% sure. Don't, don't hate mail me. I mean, you can, but whatever. I, w- I will ignore this. VeterinaryJournalClub at gmail.com. <laughs> That's right. Um, dear Bobby, you were so wrong about this. Okay, my bad. Um, it was an intimidating day, though. But, like, they just ask you, like, weird interview questions. Um, uh, you know, like, talk about a time when you had conflict and, you know, how you resolve that or, you know, weird I hate that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's what they do. I think a lot of them still do it. Some of that's changing now, but... Um, so did you leave thinking it's like, ah, not a chance? I don't know. I don't remember. I think I, I think I left feeling okay that I probably said a couple stupid things. It was like, ah, are they going to dock me? Like, I think I answered some questions well and some questions probably not swear. so well. I don't think I swore. Um, no, I don't think I did anything inappropriate. I think there were some of my questions that it was like a little meh. Um, I was like, ah, that was not the greatest answer. Um, and then some that were probably pretty good. So, um, I think I felt feeling practice mediocre for the interview. Uh, I think I, I like read up on like what kinds of questions are they likely to ask those types of things. So I was prepared for what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You know, things like that. So it's like, if you go in front of those interviews, maybe like have those lists 
and other like common interview yeah, question things. They didn't have ask me all those, mind. and they yeah. definitely asked me some things that I wasn't prepared for. But, but it's but, a lot easier when you have them in your pocket than yeah, just like yeah, yeah. So no, I, I did think about like what are the things they're likely going to ask me, and what are my answers, and, and try to be prepared for that. Um, and there was resources out there to kind of help. I think Michigan State might have even said like how to prepare for your interview, and they probably gave us a, a little bit of information. I don't Again, know. Again, probably it was scary to the, the pre-vet person at that college. Yeah, they yeah, would, yeah, they would help you. Tell you. Okay, but the weirdest but also kind of coolest part of the interview is that they kind of throw you in a room with all the other people who are interviewing, and you just sort of chit-chat with your competition, Yeah, um, which could have been really awkward, but it was actually pretty cool. Um, there were some um, really nice people that ended up also getting in um, to my class that, you know, we, we, cause they show you, a, they take you on a tour of the facility, which you don't remember any of that. And <laughs> they take you on a tour before you're accepted. Yes. Yeah. And you're <laughs> Here's just like, where you could go. Yeah. Yeah. But probably or, not. Or maybe you won't cause you know, you might suck today. Um, but yeah, you're all sitting in a room and then they sort of call you one at a time and everybody's like looking ridiculous in their like business suits that to they're too young for. Out. Like in the the movies when no, someone going in for I didn't I thought it was nice if we would just be nice to each other so that I was that was me I was the um, I don't know what you call it but um, I just was like hey let's chat with people and let's be nice to each other because it calmed me down yeah not so. even sure I heard even if you get in they uh, fail fifty percent of the students <laughs> no none of that um, no I was just like the hey everybody this is going to be fine we're all going to get in it's going to be great that was me mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a dork. All right. So now you've gotten into vet school what? at Michigan State yes. and it's your first year yeah. and it's your first class. Yeah. How many people are there? Uh, we had like 110, 113, and that's something like that. that's normal for vet schools? Uh, most vet schools are, uh, yeah, some are bigger. Like I think one of the biggest is 140 students. Some are smaller at like 60 or so. And um, it's not like undergrad where you go and you take like... No, they tell you, here's your different schedule. Classes. Yeah, you take the same, it's yeah. the same every, it's 100 the same people, and, seven people and everybody sits in the same seat every day because that's human nature. Um, and yeah, I think what happened, I think we had like orientation and then you try to get to know some people and they're like, hey, you can form your anatomy groups, get in groups of four. And you're like, frick, I don't know anybody. Um, and like I ended up getting partnered up with like kind of a strange person and um she got really attached to me after a while. It was kind of weird. But anyway, it all worked out. I, we also then paired up with another two people um, who ended up being really good friends of mine for the rest of the um, the time at school. But yeah, that part was kind of odd because it is the same people all over and over and over. And and the people you first meet, you know, often do become like those, that's your, your crew. So don't be mean to these people. Once you get into vet school, don't be mean to anybody because no. you're going to see them for the next four yes. years. yes. I would also advise don't date any of them, but that doesn't, that's, that's, nobody's going to listen to that. There was a lot of that going on. Um, I was pretty oblivious to all that. Um, I didn't realize like how much intra-class dating there was and inter-class dating as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, that wasn't my thing, but, um, vet school was hard. That was that, yeah, anatomy. There was so much and they expected you to learn all of it, um, which was, I found to be dramatically different from undergrad. <laughs> it was like, oh, you want me to know all of this and then you want me to remember it after the test too? So like the test when you get it, it's all right. Here, here's everything. Give us a hundred percent back we do, which for like yeah. undergrad, it's like, oh, uh, here's a test on 
10% of what I told you. Yeah, no, it was literally like the, the anatomy exam. I, I can remember my first exam and I didn't do very well on it. I think I probably got a C, um, which I was not used to getting Cs. Yeah, 3.6, not getting Cs. Yeah, I wasn't getting a lot of Cs. And so I did get some Cs, so I got a C in organic chemistry. <laughs> um, and I still got into vet school, so um, but it wasn't like the norm for me. But um, I remember leaving that first anatomy exam and being like, oh, I did not do very well. Um, and one of my um, one of my anatomy partners, um, Cherie, was like, um, she had actually done pretty well. And I was like, uh, okay, how did you do this? Uh, tell, you know. And so I actually kind of met up with her, and she taught me kind of how she was studying. She was using. So you didn't just study harder. I didn't just study harder because uh, I felt like I studied pretty hard. Um, and I still, there were a lot of things that I was like, I studied this and I don't remember it. Why don't I remember it? And so uh, I'd always studied alone. Um, and I figured that's what I would do in vet school. So that's what I was doing. And that didn't work for me. So got a study group. Um, and we started, uh, we all had different strengths, which I think worked. Um, and we all brought something different to the study group. And that that made a huge difference for me. Um, that helped me get through vet school for sure. I don't know if I hadn't figured that out early on. Um, things might have been very different. Did you talk to the professor at all? For, uh, I wasn't that student. No. no, no I didn't. Why did I get a C? Oh, no, I definitely wasn't that student. Um, I mean, I would chat with the professors, but I, I didn't... I think if I had continued to do not well, I probably would have done that. Um, but I was fortunate that I you know, met up with a classmate who was like, hey here's how I'm doing it. I think I did pretty well. And I was like, teach me your ways. <laughs> um, and it did help me. So, and I think just, I think having the study group, you know, kind of enforced, like we need to do this, but it also added the social aspect, which made it a little more fun. Um, uh, it was like, oh, I have to go study all by myself, sit in a corner of a room and yeah. read stuff versus, oh, let's go get together and then we'll chat about things. And yeah, of course we get distracted now and again, but we were, we were pretty on top of it. We did a, a good job. Um, so, so that what was did really you do helpful. outside of vet school stuff? Uh, well, I... Um, While you were in vet school. Yeah. So I was missing some athleticism stuff. I was, I was missing softball a bit. Um, and so I, um, I started a, like a, a sports club or like an activity club um, that turned in mostly to a running group um, in, my, in my vet class. Um, said, hey, who's other people that want to like work out? Blah, blah. It became a running club. And so I was like, I'm... I'm going to train eventually for a marathon. We're going to start with a half marathon and this is what I'm going to do. So is your marathon time? Um, let me tell my story. <laughs> <laughs> so I was out there and what I would do is like once a week, everybody would kind of do their own thing during the week, but then once a week on the weekends, I would plot out like progressively longer runs and I would figure out where, where are we going to run? Cause this was like before everybody had like maps on their phones and Nike apps that told you what you were doing. So I had to like figure out, okay, how far are we going? Where, you know, we'd meet up at the vet school and we'd run to some point and then run back. Everybody would kind of do their own thing, but it was just a, a way to organize things. And uh, we were on a 10-mile run, and I was about the halfway point, so I had five miles to get back to my car, and I, I thought I pulled a muscle in my leg, and I was like, whoa. So I hobbled five miles, essentially, back to my, my car, and, um, and it didn't go away. And turns out that was not a pulled muscle, that was sciatica. And uh, yeah, I had a herniated disc in my back. What year is this? What first year? First year. First ah. year of vet school. Yeah, it was awful. right away. Yeah, it was it was awful. Um, so it was like halfway through the first year that that happened. Um, and so I went to various doctors and tried to figure out what the heck was going on with my back. 
And eventually had an MRI. I was like, yep, you have a herniated disc. Um, I mean, this just took a really long time. Um, I did some physical therapy, which didn't really help. Finally met with a, an orthopedic surgeon who was like, I could fix you. And I was like, yes, please. Um, so I had surgery between the first and second year of vet school. Um, so yeah, the first year of vet school was, was kind of tough in that, that second half, um, because sitting, um, was awful. Um, anybody who's ever had uh, herniated disc in their lower back understands that sitting is like the worst thing. I mean, that's all you do in vet school is you do a lot of sitting. You sit when you study, you sit in class. I would stand in the back of the classroom for the last bit and I look like a weirdo, but I didn't care. Um, but I did have back surgery between first and second year, which was amazing. I woke up from surgery and things were better. Um, so I did stay active after that year. I started, I didn't run. I've never run a half or full marathon. Uh, I decided I was doing my physical therapy after surgery and I was like, Hey, what do you think? And the, the physical therapist was like, yeah, you could do this. She's like, however, and, and she was supportive of marathoners. And I think she was a marathoner herself, but she was like, but what happens is as you go further and further distances, your body starts to get fatigued and then your posture changes and you're more prone to injuries. And I was like, you know what? This back thing was awful. It was like the worst thing ever. And I don't really, I'm okay. I, I can live without ever doing a marathon. So I didn't. Um, but I played racquetball. Um, I had some friends, um, Chad, Chad, um, Chad was, uh, my racquetball partner. He was like, he's very athletic, but he wasn't as skilled at racquetball as I was. So we were actually fairly evenly matched cause I was like pretty decent and like reasonably athletic, but he was like, you know, stronger, faster, but, um, we would about 50, 50 split our, our win losses. There was another guy in class who just, he was like a professional racquetball player. I was, I've never seen anybody yeah, play like that. Ridiculous. And I was like, I, I couldn't even keep up. And then a couple of my friends who were not athletic and didn't play, we'd play. And I, sometimes I'd play left-handed just to kind of make it a little more fun. But um, yeah, it was mostly Chad and I that, that was like a workout. So that was good. And then another friend, another classmate um, who lived near where I did, she and I would go running sometimes. This was after the surgery. I'd do like shorter runs. Um, so I tried to stay active, um, with things like that, but it was hard cause there was definitely a lot of studying and, and things involved. But mostly and what you did was vet school. Mostly what I did was vet school. Yeah. Um, but so that was, was okay. Like, if you have a ton of hobbies or like a, give up a couple of them, a YouTube channel or. Yeah. You should probably cut back on that stuff. Yeah. You're going to. Vet school is going to take up most of your time. Yeah. Um, I did work, um, I, I worked during the summers and not that first summer cause I was having back surgery. During the summer? No. Uh, not the first, every school is different, but most of them, you get at least two summers off, um, when you're doing classes and then when you're on clinics, it's different. But I also, um, the year, the summer after I had my back surgery, I worked two jobs, um, to kind of make up for, um, all the lost time and money and, and things like it's expensive and at any rate. So oh, I did yeah, end up having jobs. About that. Like all the, oh yeah, let's save stuff. that for a different show. Okay. Oh yeah. It's a downer. It's fine. It's worth it. It's, it's good, but you know, I'm still Next paying for all show. this. Yeah, after 20 years, I'm still paying for all this. So um, at any rate, uh, yeah, you're not going to have a ton of extra time. Um, and so cut out as many extraneous things as you um, as you can, but you have to do other stuff. Like you do have to do other things. Um, and, you know, whether that's socializing with friends, you know, exercising is probably important for a lot of us. Because um, you said you're sitting down a lot. You, you do. Know? Yeah, it's, it's very not sedentary. Very active. Not yet. When you get to clinics, it's much and more And you're active. not walking in between classes because it's all it's in the all same room. It's all in the same room. Yeah, you're not even walking to like different parts of campus. Walk a few miles no, you're in the same room. And it's like one semester, you're there all morning, and then you have labs in the afternoon and the other year, you know, a semester, your labs are in the morning and your classes are in the afternoon. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty sedentary. Yeah, you, pr- you go up a flight of stairs once a day. 
sometimes. I don't think we had a flight of stairs. Well, I guess like the auditorium, there were some steps depending on where he sat in the class. <laughs> um, we did have to park really far away. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably like a quarter of a and mile away. So you paid away, right? so much to park far away, um, which really sucked when um, walking was hard when my back was bad. But um, anyhow, yeah. So, but vet school. So then at Michigan State, the way they worked it, you had two and a half years in the classroom and then a year and a half in clinics. And I just couldn't wait to get to clinics. I thought was the whole thing. I was like, yeah, I want to get back to doing the things. This is what I was excited about anyway. Um, I mean, learning stuff in the class was, was pretty cool. But Were you working at a... Um a vet hospital during your first few years? Not in my first couple of years. No, the so the, no the summer after my second answers. year, I was working at a, a vet clinic. That was the first um, job I had. I worked at a Dick's Sporting Goods at a vet clinic. At a vet clinic in during the a place year? where there yeah, where yeah there's a vet school because there's at least a hundred <laughs> at least four hundred other people yeah who yeah. um, are as good as you <laughs> yeah I think um, I worked at an emergency clinic so I worked a lot of nights and overnights um, so that made it less competitive I guess um, but that was again that was a summer between um, my second and third year and I was doing that and um, I'd started working I actually started working at the Dick Sporting Goods during the school year I forgot about that um, just as like you know a couple hour shifts here and there and then I worked full time during the summers but um I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, so then uh, when you get to clinics, that's when everything gets fun and changes. And and all schools kind of do their clinic setup differently. Some you get into clinics earlier and then go back into the classroom. Um, others, it's three years in the classroom and two or one year in the clinics or two and two. There's there's lots of different um, strategies, which tells you nobody's figured out the one best way to do it is everybody's doing it differently. Um, but it is exciting to get into clinics and actually be doing the work, like the apprenticeship style training. Um, and that's also where I started to get exposure to other career options. Um, I don't know how we're doing on time and if we should break this up and and we're we're doing okay. Um, I've had long shows. I guess that's fair. Um, People might get sick of hearing from me though. Yeah, they can just stop it and start again. Okay. (laughs) All right. So here might be a good point. If you want to take a break, you could stop and then come back to the rest of the story. Um, All right. So we're back and um, I, my plan uh, for vet school was always to just, um, like do what I had been exposed to is work in a general practice. Like that was always my plan. Uh, that's what I envisioned. I was going to go. What did you work. plan on? Like, what did you envision when you had it where you're like, I'm going to be in a small town and the same 50 people are going to bring their overweight animals in and I'm going to give them their vaccinations. <laughs> you're so cynical. Tell them no. like, maybe your, maybe your animal should be on a diet. And then no. that would be your life. Um, I guess the clinic that I worked at that I never felt like that's what they did. Um, the, the, owner and um, the doctor who hired me, uh, essentially, he really liked surgery. So he did a lot of surgeries. Um, And they, I just feel like at least what sticks out in my mind um, are the cases that were sick. And which makes sense now when I think back, that's what sticks out in my mind is all the things that were not coming in for wellness visits. I don't think I picked up on that at the time because again, that's, that's what I focused on. I was like, yeah, you have all these sick patients. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to do vaccines. Um, There's some of that and that was fun. But, um, so you kind of imagine it as like what like I'd a, seen, like an ER thing. It's no, like people, well, like the show ER. Oh, where it's like things are coming in and it's dramatic and I'm gonna fix this and oh, no, I saved it. It wasn't even that, it wasn't I the used drama, the, the miracle liquid. 
No, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. I think I, I think I just pictured a normal everyday clinic that most people, you know, take your pets to and things like that. I don't think I had any glorified image of what it was. I just liked what that was. I liked that the variety that, yeah, sometimes it's vaccine. Sometimes it's, you know, they're puking. Sometimes they got a broken leg. Sometimes they need surgery. I liked all of it. I liked the variety of it. Um, and I, I had never been exposed to anything else and I liked that. So I, I had no reason to go looking for anything else. And so that was my vision. Um, you know, it wasn't the James Harriet, you know, style. It wasn't necessarily small town. I think where I was was medium sized town. Um, not, you know, Metropolis wasn't a big city, Grand Rapids, but, um, but it was big enough. Um, again, we weren't out in the boonies. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I envisioned. And I'd um, been to a few other clinics that all had similar vibes as far as like what kind of cases you saw, what the clientele was like, obviously different people that you're working with. Um, how but, many vet clinics have you uh, worked with up to this point? Like how many different ones? How many different ones? Yeah. Are, including all of them or just like the general? Uh, all of them. I don't know what the difference is. Um, one, two, three. Is this including like the academic places? Four, five. No, not now. Um, when you're in school. Oh, when oh, so I was when in making, school. You're picturing like, oh, oh I'm going to be so this before type of school. Vet. I'd worked at two different places, and then I had a third one while I was in school. That's pretty good. Um, so two different clinics prior to school. One clinic that was an emergency clinic while I was mm-hmm. in school. And the funny thing was, even though working at the emergency clinic, it didn't necessarily. It wasn't like, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do emergency. That didn't necessarily have an impact. Which, for um, those who don't know, that's what that's what you do. Yes. Now I am a, I'm an emergency critical care specialist. If this yeah. is the first time you've listened to the show or the first time you've listened to a show where we mentioned that. Um, so yeah, even though I worked at an emergency clinic, that didn't necessarily ring any bells to be like, this is the thing you want to do. And some of that may have had to do with the clinic itself and just, you know, my having this idea of what a vet is and what I was going to do. Um, but on clinics. Um, I loved every rotation I was on. I was such a nerd. I was so excited to be on clinics. My very first, my very first rotation was actually a pathology rotation, um, which was really, really good, but you weren't dealing with live animals. Um, and so my first clinical rotation was dermatology. I loved that rotation. It was like the greatest thing ever. We was in the clinic, talking to clients, getting histories, seeing real patients. Like it was just so great. And I friggin' loved it. And I was like, oh, I could do this all the time. This is wonderful. And one of the dermatologists, um, I, <laughs> I'm such a dork. Um, but at the end of the rotation, um, pulled me aside because I, like I was just so enthusiastic and I, I, you know, I did a good job. And, um, she pulled me aside and was like, you know, you, you did a good job. And, you know, if you, if this is something you'd want to do, like you should consider this. And, you know, if you need a letter and I was like, oh, that's really nice. Thank you. I wasn't even thinking about like internships or residencies. I thought she just meant for like jobs because that was so not a thing I'd thought of. She was offering to write me a letter of recommendations for internships. I didn't know that at the time. I had no idea that's what she was talking about. She probably was really annoyed that I was like, cool, thanks. <laughs> like nothing. I was such an idiot. Thanks bro um, for offering me that thing that you probably don't offer many people. Right. I, I, I mean, that might not have been exactly what she was saying, but I like looking back, I'm like, I think that's what she was saying to me. <laughs> and I just, it was my first rotation. I was clueless, 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 clueless. And, um, but so I went through clinics and it, it's funny because now like dermatology is like one of my least favorite things to do. Um, but for a variety of reasons, um, but I loved everything about every clinical rotation was on whatever I was on. I was like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. I was such a dork. 
Um, which is how it should be, right? I don't yeah. know. I think that's how it should be. You should enjoy your job. Yeah. I mean, I can see like there were some rotations that people like better than others, but I really liked all of them. I can't like, I, maybe this is like the, um, over time, everything seemed, but I really did like, I love my large animal rotations. I, one of my favorite ones was, um, an ambulatory rotation where I ended up in the thumb of Michigan. I don't remember the name of the town, but it was over in the thumb. And I stayed in this like rickety old cabin by myself. And I, I went, um, to this clinic where, and I rode around in a truck with this guy and we went to different farms, um, every day and we like palpated cows and we vaccinated horses and we did all sorts of like random, we dehorned, you know, goats, which was kind of weird and awful and don't ever need to do it again. But like, I got such a good variety of experience and just, that was so cool. It was such a good rotation. Um, I, yeah, I loved every single one. So how'd you feel about when you were in the classes or you're the same with like the classroom material? I love this class. This is I so did interesting. Get, or I, just like, I can't wait to be on clinics. It was a lot of, I can't wait there. to be on clinics, but like, it was still really fascinating. Like I was still pretty excited to be there. And I do remember really liking physiology. Physiology was hard. The way we had the, in the first year or the first, I don't remember exactly, but we, we started with anatomy. So you learn the things, the bits, the pieces. And then later when we got to the physiology, I was like, yes, this is my jam. This is so much more interesting because it wasn't just like memorize the names of things. It was like understand what's happening. And um, and so I was way more excited about those types of things. There were definitely classes I liked better than others. And then within classes, there were topics or even sometimes instructors that I think were better than others. Um, so no, I didn't love every aspect of it. Um, but I, What was your least favorite class and professor um, and ooh. where they live? <laughs> um, actually, this is a little unfair. I think my least favorite class was maybe histology, but I actually, that was, those were some of my favorite instructors. Um, why didn't you like histology? So I like cytology. Okay. So I like looking at individual cells under the microscope. I never really got into looking at like biopsy specimens, um, and the structure of cells. I, I think because they never looked quite like they were in the, the drawn pictures in the book. And I was like, you kind of lied to me again. <laughs> like you said it was going to look like this and it kind of doesn't. And I think some of that has to do with my vision not being the greatest, like looking through a microscope. I'm like, I'm not seeing, you guys are talking about a little stippling and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're all making this up. And this is like a big conspiracy because I don't see what you're seeing. Um, so I didn't love that. I still like cytology. I don't like looking at biopsy specimens. I just get like, and fall asleep. Um, but that is not the fault of the instructors. I, it really isn't. Um, that was just for whatever reason, not a thing I, I got into. I don't know. Um, there, I mean, there were other bits and pieces of things like nutrition, I hate to say it. Sorry, nutritionists out there. I just don't get into that. It's not a thing I'm really excited about. Um, I'm not excited about it like for myself either. I'm like, oh, that looks delicious. I will eat that. Yeah. There's my nutrition. Um, ta-da. I ate food. <laughs> Try to eat less of that next time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the math part of the nutrition is interesting, um, but not like, oh, you need this percentage of fat and this... Per-. And like, I know I'm supposed to know and care about that. I just kind of don't. I, I, it's terrible. Um, I, and not that I don't care in the big, I like the big picture aspect of it, but not like the nitty gritty details of it. I just, yeah, you want healthy animals, blah. but you don't have to. Yeah. Somebody else can do that and be like, eat this. That's why I love it. Like here's a scoop of this food. Yeah. That's, we couldn't make it simpler. Now, if you said you could do that for me, I'd be like, no, that sounds terrible. I would like to eat a variety of delicious foods that are different. Like, I mean, you know, 
like, uh, we, we can't eat that. We had that a week ago. <laughs> and you're like, uh, and I'm like, I know, but I want variety. We've eaten that too many times. I need to mix it up. Like I can't, it's hard for me to finish a box of cereal. Cause I'm like, I'm bored with this box now. I need something else. And so I have a bunch of like three quarters eaten boxes of cereal that I just, I'm like, nope. Well, now I it need tastes something different. different. It's stale. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. And now we throw it away and I'm terrible. Oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> where was I? Oh, we're talking about, about the things they didn't, like. didn't like as much. Yeah. And so, all right. So you're like blah, the, blah, blah. the excited student that yeah. is getting all the letters of recommendation and everybody <laughs> hates you. Um, I didn't so tell that, people about that. <laughs> yeah, they heard about it. Um, that's why your study group was only three other people. What? That was before clinics. Um, and so you're done with clinics and you graduate. Like what was... Uh, or your or your stats when you oh. graduated. Okay, so this is where I think I graduated with like a three three to three four. I think mm-hmm. I think that's where I was. And um, you know what? Um, like, what is the thing that everybody says you need to get when you graduate? Well, it depends on what you want to do, right? Yeah, because you want to if you want to be a vet, you just need job. to graduate. Yeah. So so for jobs, like if you're going out to practice, those practitioners don't give a shit. Oh, sorry, they don't they don't they don't care. <laughs> you gonna bleep that later? No. Okay, sorry. Rated PG thirteen. Um, they don't care. They don't. They don't care about your GPA. Um, <laughs> sorry, I feel really bad now that I swore. I apologize, but they really don't care. Um, the what your GPA matters for is if you're going to apply for internships or residencies, mm-hmm. and that that's even changing. Yeah, what do they what do they say for that back then? What you need to the, get like a, a three nine. It depends on the program. <laughs> three nine. Yeah, like some of those places are ridiculous. Um, there are some places that are stupid you need like to be that. A four point oh. Some of them, student. yeah. Some of them are are kind of stupid, and they will. Uh, that's changing. Um, but there are some programs that if your GPA is below like a three seven, you probably won't get considered. And they do that probably because now you have okay, so you get into vet school, and it's like the cream of the crop in vet school, and then you take the cream of the crop, and then take the cream of the crop of that crop, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's cream no matter where you pull from. Right, right. But they're saying, but I want the topmost layer of cream. Um, and so you now have, you know, 20 some odd vets, 20 to 25 to 30 vet schools, depending on where you are in the year and blah, blah, blah. But so you've got, you know, um, 25 say vet schools and the best of their students are applying to all of these programs. So now you have hundreds and hundreds of students um, that are all the best and they're competing amongst each other. And so programs are like, well, how am I going to sort them? We have to sort them. And so GPA might be one of the things they look at. So you're about half a point too low when you're graduating. What do you do? What'd you do? Did you apply to internships or did you apply to um, practice? I didn't. So I made the decision um, to do an internship rather late in the game. Um, so when are you I, supposed to do it? Or when do they say you're supposed Well, you have to deadlines. Do it? So um, it's typically going to be... Um, so the, the match, is, which is where most internships and residencies are sorted through. Um, it comes out in... Um, like Usually like September, October is when everybody starts doing that. So it's basically in your senior year, the beginning of your senior year, you need to start thinking about this. Um, I, most people are on clinics. Were you thinking about it then? No. No. <laughs> I was not. Uh, I was going to get a job. I had done some externships. I'd done an externship at a really great clinic um, in um, um, Eastern Michigan and was like, oh, this is the kind of place I want to work. It was a really, really good multi-doctor practice. They did a good job with a lot of things. Um, And I was like, this is the kind of practice I want to work in. 
And so I was talking to the owners there, not about getting a job there, um, because that wasn't that particular clinic I wanted to work at, but something like that. And so I said, you know, what are you guys looking for in, um, in your hires and your new hires? And they said, well, we don't really hire new grads. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, what do you mean you don't hire new grads? You know, um, what, what does that mean? They said, well, you know, we, we've done that in the past and we're such a busy practice. Um, so many doctors, we don't really have the time or the resources to devote the amount of mentorship that a new graduate really needs. Um, and so we've just, we kind of avoid that. So now we either hire um, veterinarians who have done an internship or that have three to five years of experience. And then that was like, really mind-blowing and eye-opening for me that they equated a one-year internship with three to five years of experience. And so I was was like, "Um, okay, this is maybe something I need to look into because I don't necessarily want to wait three to five years to work at a place like this. And, and where do you go to get those three? Right. Years? And then I, you I know, this was the place to go. Exactly. I, exactly. Am I going to go to like a clinic that is not as good um, to get not good experience to then come work at a good place? Like, so that, I was like, oh, bummer. And what they weren't saying that they were just fast paced. They're like, you can't keep up. That right. was, that was our whole point. And so you need some experience before you can work here. And so I was like, maybe I should look into this internship thing because it's a year. God, I can do anything for a year. Right. But I, my experience with interns at that point had been the interns at Michigan State who seemed miserable, if I'm being completely honest. Like they're working the crummiest shifts, the crummiest hours. They're working really, really hard and they just always seem sort of harried. Um, and, but I was like, well, let me, let me find more, um, out about this. I, I had had, I don't remember where this, I think this was all around a similar time. Um, but I think before I did that externship, I was on my emergency rotation and we did mid rotation evaluations where I sat down with all the like clinicians that, um, were on. And again, I was like a super nerd on clinics. I loved everything. And so, um, they're giving me my feedback, which was generally pretty good. And, uh, and they were like, have you considered doing an internship? And I was like, nope. And they were like, well, you should. And I was like, cool. Thanks. But I did, it planted a seed. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I think I was probably not, I was like, I haven't really, I was like, I don't really know that much about him. And so they explained, you know, kind of what it was and why you would do that. And, um, <laughs> it's amazing to me sometimes how I got through where I was being as oblivious to the stuff I shouldn't have been oblivious to. And maybe um, it was because you weren't And maybe it was it because, yeah, I think I did well because I wasn't stressing about that stuff. Yeah. I was just there because like, I want to be a good vet. Like this, I'm learning every opportunity. Every case I get to see is so fun. And I just was excited about it. Um, it wasn't so much like, I, I think from a goal um, orienting, like I had, I met my goal. I got into vet school. Now I just, I need to graduate obviously, but like the hard part is done. I was yeah. like, woo, I've done it. So it it's was never to like- fail out of vet school. Right. It, it actually, it actually is. Um, because we, you know, do a pretty good job of making sure the people who get in are going to be able to do it. And you got there, like you worked your butt off to get there. So of course you're going to keep working hard. So for me, it wasn't like, I have to keep setting new goals. I didn't have another like, okay, now what? It was like, cool, I'm, I'm done with all of this. I've applied for all the things I'm ever going to apply for, I'm done. I can just do this and then get a job. So I did go in with that mentality of like, this, this is, this is it. Um, but they were like, what about an internship? And I was like, what about it? So, um, I started thinking about it, but it was really that experience at the the private practice that were like, we're going to hire you if you've done an internship or you've got, you know, three to five years of experience that I was like, maybe I should seriously consider this. 
so I did. Um, I seriously considered it and I talked to some other people because I'd gotten good feedback and other people who said, you should consider doing this. Um, I just had to learn a little bit more about it. Um, but that was late in the game. So it was probably like a month before, you know, applications and things were due that I was like, I think I'm going to do this. Um, so I, I scrambled a little bit, um, to get some letters of recommendation and talk to people about it. I didn't end up going back to the dermatologist who'd offered me one because I don't think I realized well, probably, it's probably until, been like two years. <laughs> it had been a while. Um, it wasn't two years, but it had been, it'd been a minute. Um, but, um, I did get, um, a couple other people offer to write me letters. Um, and then I asked for a couple others and, uh, yeah. So, uh, I applied. And how's it, do you, do you go to places? Do you <laughs> pick I certain didn't. spaces? I didn't go anywhere because it's expensive and you don't have time. Yeah. Um, well, also you're eight years into college debt. Yeah. So yeah, really I, I, yeah. I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And how is that? Yeah. And so I, you don't have to, it wasn't required by anyone for internships, which was great because it wasn't going to happen. Um, some people did go places. Um, I was not one of them. I just, I don't have the money for that. Yeah. People with private jets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Super wealthy people. Or maybe like if you knew you had family, like if you were going to visit family and there was a place nearby, I, that, that could, that would make sense. But, um, I I looked through the um, all of the programs and I ended up, I didn't, again, my plan for doing an internship was do this for a year and then go get a job at a place, this big multi-doctor practice. This is my one year. I'm going to grind through this, work my butt off for crappy, crappy pay, but then I can get my dream job. Um, and, uh, at the time, you know, looking, there were basically two broad categories of internships, academic and private practice. And... I ended up applying almost exclusively. There were like one or two private practices on my list, um, but uh, I think there were like eight or nine total. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't include a lot of private practice places, mostly because they, um, they have a little like table in there that says, here are the different specialists we have and how many that we have of each. And I was noticing a trend that the private practices would have like one surgeon, one internist, and like a part-time cardiologist or something like that. Um, versus the academic institutions would have four surgeons, you know, five internists, two oncologists, you know, a a variety of people, a lot more depth. More teachers. Yeah. Just more people to learn from. And I was like, I, you know, I I remember, you know, as a student, um, being like, oh, it was really cool to be on clinics with this person for this part of the time. And then you learn some different things and different styles from other people. And I, I liked that. Um, so I ended up applying almost exclusively to, um, academic institutions. Um, interestingly, I did not prioritize places that had criticalists. Um, partly because a lot of the places didn't have them at the time, but also because that wasn't my big plan. I wasn't going to go into emergency practice. I was going to, um, go into private practice. And so I just needed a variety of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up matching at the university of Illinois, uh, which was kind of in the middle of my list. It wasn't at the top. It wasn't at the bottom. I think it was, yeah, I don't know, maybe three or four out of eight. I was, yeah, I was like, I don't, I didn't do a very good job when I did my research. I I didn't research these places. Like I I recommend people kind of random, right? Yeah. It's a little bit random. So I picked places that were like, I think regionally kind of close by. Um, and then a lot of people who get internships are people who didn't get residencies too, right? Sometimes. Um, yeah, it depends on the type of internship. Usually a rotating internship. No, no. Okay. What I was doing was a rotating internship was just like that entry level internship. There are specialty so internships. Almost everybody that's getting your They're internship that you went just to graduated. just graduated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nearly all. Um, there would be a few exceptions, like if you went out into practice and then decided to go back um, into academia, you might go back and do a rotating. But yeah, the vast majority are people fresh out of vet school. 
So yeah, then I went to the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana and I was one of eight interns and um, it was really interns total or interns eight eight rotating interns program yeah it's a one-year program eight rotating interns and so when I was writing my letter of intent for internships I was very cagey because again I was applying to academic institutions and I, I was told by a variety of people like you know academic institutions tend to prioritize people who ultimately want to go on and do a residency. Like that's that's what those spots are sort of reserved for, I guess. Not just somebody who wants to get a year of experience and go on to practice, which is what I wanted to do. But I was like, but I want these because they have that variety. I want to, I want to learn from a bunch of different people. So I was a little bit cagey. Um, and I wrote when I wrote my letter, I sort of, I didn't say I definitely wanted to do a residency, but I was like, I want to explore my options and I really like all these things. Um, you know, I like emergency and critical care. I like medicine. I like surgery. I just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, so I didn't come out and say, I don't plan on doing a residency in my letter. So you knew what you wanted to do. I thought I did. Yeah, exactly. I didn't lie. I didn't say I definitely do want to do a residency. Um, I tried to word it. I was cagey. Um, and so, um, so we're, we're sitting like around a table day one, um, our internship like orientation. Um, and there's eight of us and Tom Graves was the intern coordinator at Illinois at the time. And he was an internist and he sort of, you know, shepherded us through the program, but we're all sitting around and, you know, he's like, go around one at a time and, you know, everybody say what you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. And so, you know, I want to be a fit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, clearly we've all done that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, so now you're all, what? You're all doctors we're all now. doctors. We're all legit. Legitimate doctors. doctors. So um, we're just very brand new baby doctors who haven't actually worked as doctors yet, except for a couple of us. A couple of us. Um, we had a couple people in our group who were graduates of like Ross um, University, which they are on a trimester system. So a couple of them had graduated at like odd times. And so um, some of them had actually worked in practice. Um, anyhow, so we're sitting around the table and it's like, I want to be a surgeon and I want to be an internist and I want to be an ophthalmologist and then surgeon, 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 and then a couple other things. And then I was like second to last, I think, um, around the table. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm planning on going to practice. And it was just like, why would you say what? (laughs) It was silence for a bit. Um, everybody was just like, oh. You're not supposed to say that. You're a disappointment. And I was like, but I've, I've already gotten this. Like, (laughs) there's no, what are you going to do? You're going to fire me now? Go for it, I guess. Um, and I was like, yeah, that, that's my plan. (laughs) They all just looked at me like, one, like, not only, I can't believe, you know, that that's your plan, but also I can't believe that you said that. And actually, one of my intern mates said, she's like, I can't believe, like, later, I can't believe you admitted that. (laughs) I was like, what? I, I, like, so naive. I was like, yeah, well, I mean, I got in that, that is my plan. And the irony of that is obviously um, my plan changed. And there were several people who had big plans to go on and ended up going into There were probably practice. several people who were uh, who had the plan to go they to They might have. And then they, they, they lied, yeah, because yeah. they were like, no, you're not supposed to admit that. It's possible. Because um, there were two or three that um, had said that day that they were going to do other things um, and then ended up not um, yeah, applying for residencies. Apply for they didn't apply for residencies, yeah. But yeah, I was like, no, this, this is my plan. I want to go work at a really good practice after I get a year of experience. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's how it could have gone. And I, that was my plan for a good chunk of my internship. Um, and then that obviously changed. Um, I worked with a lot of really great people. I did, I think everyone else at my internship figured out that I liked emergency critical care. Like that was my area before I did. Um, I was kind of slow to pick up on those things. It's normal. Is it? For you, for me, oh yeah, I'm kind of dumb. Not good on the uh, the gossip and stuff. Oh, Bobby really likes emergency critical care. 
I think emergency and critical care likes her too. Do you think she knows? No. <laughs> okay. Funny story about gossip at my internship. Um, there was like, this is my first experience of like really being involved in the, go- I'm so out of the loop. I'm always, I'm literally the last person to know. Once I know, everyone knows. Um, but one of the gossipy things, so one of my intern mates, um, there was like this rumor that she was dating, I think one of the large animal residents or something like that. Um, but the funny thing about this rumor, there's this unnecessary addition to it was that I introduced them because he and I used to go to like high school together. This was completely made up. I, I like, I, I didn't even need to be part of this rumor. Like I had no business being in this rumor, but there was a, a I was told that, um, Oh, you went to high school. So I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, didn't you introduce so-and-so? And I was like, what is it? Who makes these things up? It was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard of. Um, and then I, yeah, I mostly just ignore all that, but I thought that one was pretty funny. Didn't we have one time we went to a friend's wedding and it's something like one of the doctors or someone had like left their husband and we went to it wasn't a wedding. wedding it was a going away party for um uh for duran and Lindsay. yeah oh there's the going yeah away party. so i put my foot in my mouth uh so basically yeah we're at this going away party and um some of the, one of the people at the party was um somebody i worked with at the at the vet uh, hospital at the time and i'm talking to somebody who um was in another program another service and came in as a married woman married to a man and I'm chatting with her at um, at this party. I was like, oh, how's your husband doing? And she says, um, yeah, I'm not married anymore. Um, I am dating this woman who is another person at the clinic. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm really, really sorry. That was super. She's like, no, she's like, I thought everyone knew. And I was like, now they do. <laughs> now they do. And now they do. I was like, I sorry. I like, it wasn't a secret. It was out. It was, you know, very much in the open. I just, I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, which is also because I was so excited about all the stuff I was doing. I was excited about vet school and being a vet and doing my rotations and seeing cases. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not into the gossip and the drama and the workplace stuff. And I think that's very, very good. I think there was some drama thing that you were in at your internship. There was, was it, wasn't it the, um, like the healthcare thing? Wasn't that your interest? Oh, yeah, a little bit of that. So, but this this wasn't like interpersonal drama. This was like workplace, like yeah, it's crap. Still drama. Oh, well, I mean, so at my internship at the time, they have fixed it since then. So, um, good on U of I for fixing this. But when I came on, um, as interns, we were, um, we were employed, we were staff, we weren't students, um, which is, Sounds obvious, but actually a lot of places do consider interns right, and well, resident students because like you're taking a, a huge student, yeah, you're a student and you yeah. pay student fees. Exactly. Um, well, but did we you didn't pay do student that. fees as an intern? I don't think so. Yeah. If you did, it resident? would just came out before your salary. That? What was what? Did you do it as a resident? I don't think so. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't think we did. Every school is a little different. They do things differently. But we were we were employees, um, like with staff and faculty. But they were paying us, you know, crap. I think I was making 21,000 as a doctor as a doctor yeah i was making below the poverty level working like you know 80 80 to 90 hours a week yep and uh, so making terrible terrible pay but we were considered two-thirds appointments we weren't even a full-time fte um and the only the only thing that impacted was how much of our health care they paid 
So they had this really great healthcare um, system for faculty and staff. And if you, you know, the, the percentage of your FTE you were was how much they paid. Um, and so they dropped our FTE. So then we had to pay like, it was going to be like $600 a month or something um, for our healthcare when we were only taking home like $1,200 a month or something stupid like that. Maybe it was a little bit more than that. Maybe it was $1,200 a pay period. So yeah, like $2,000 a month and they wanted $600 of that or something ridiculous to go toward healthcare. And I was like, um, no. So I actually opted because I was like, uh, I've done the math. Like I already have my apartment. I can't afford that. Um, so I opted out of that and paid like a $50 a month, like loss of, like if, if you get into a car accident and they, your limb comes off, they'll try to put it back on. Yeah. But only that, like if yeah, you get the sniffles, I screw you. Lowe's, I think it was $50, $50 a pay period. So a hundred dollars a month. And yeah. it was everything. Like it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, so I went outside of that. I opted out of their healthcare and did my own thing. Cause I was like, I'm young, I'm reasonably healthy and I don't have time to go to the doctor anyway. So, um, that was a gamble that worked out for me in the end, but it was really crappy. Um, and we, um, we ended up getting a criticalist that, um, was hired at Illinois about halfway through my internship. And I brought that to her and I was like, this is crap. And she was like, that is crap. Um, she can't do anything for you this year, but she fixed it for the future. Um, there were some other crummy things that they did. And, and so I did go and complain. I was like, hey, here are some things you guys are doing that are kind of shady. Um, one, that we're two-thirds employees and we work more hours than any other employee here. How many hours a week do you work as? As an intern? intern? I think I think it was probably average between like 80 and 100 hours a week. So a normal director works um, a third more than that. So like 110 hours Wait, what? A week? So if you're only two thirds, then a regular yeah. doctor works 110 hours a week. Yeah, right? that's what they were saying. Yeah, no, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, it was it was shady. That's all. That's all I can describe it as. But it's better now. Um, those little things. So the other thing they did um, was when we were on our orthopedic rotation, when we were on that rotation, we were um, on call for anesthesia, for after hours anesthesia, the interns were, um, whoever was on that. But we split the on call with one of the anesthesia techs. Um, The rest of the techs lived like an hour away, so they couldn't be on call. And I was like, that's a genius way to get out of on call. (laughs) But um, one tech um, and then us would would basically whatever um, shifts he couldn't take, we would have to take. And... If he got called in, the anesthesia tech, he would get like a fee, $50 or something like that. Nothing outrageous, but he got extra money. And if the intern got called in, we got zero. We got nothing. And I was like, that's crap. The thing that really made it a problem though was on the client's bill, regardless of whether the tech was on call or I was on call, they got the $50 call. Like that got added to their bill. And it went to the tech, but it didn't go to me. And I was like, uh, okay. So I feel like you either need to give me that or just not charge the client. I was like, you don't have to give it to me, but you shouldn't be charging the client because that feels like fraud. Like it says on the light item that this is this is the after hours call in fee. Like you're paying for that. And they were like, oh, that goes for other things. And I was like, mm, you're full of it. So I, I kind of argued a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what they did with that. So other than like stirring the pot, <laughs> causing all this drama. Yeah, we're bringing up all that stuff. What, uh, what did you do as an intern? Uh, yeah. Did you learn a lot? Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> you worked um, a lot of hours. Yeah. No, I learned in. a ton. I, I learned a ton. Um, it was actually, it ended up being a really good internship for me. Um, we had a lot of independence, um, for better or worse. Uh, so how do you get independence when you're working a schedule? Independence in that, what I mean is as a doctor, independence. Oh, you got to do whatever you wanted. 
<laughs> that sounds terrible when you say it like that. But um, yeah, we, I worked a lot of shifts with they where I, I wasn't uh, sure where okay. I wasn't directly supervised. So um, the Illinois didn't have a really robust emergency service um, at the time. And um, the way the ER was staffed is there would be one intern on ER during the day and one intern on ER overnight. And you would just kind of flip back and forth. So is that what you did mostly was ER when you're in your um, we all rotated. Um, I ended up doing more ER than anyone else because like we would trade shifts. Um, and like we had a, you had to do a certain, a minimum number of weeks on medicine, a minimum number of weeks on surgery. But as I said earlier, a bunch of the people in my intern class wanted to be surgeons. And so, um, so we traded weeks. Um, and so I would take some of their ER weeks and they would take some of my surgery weeks and stuff. And I liked the surgery stuff, but you know, especially orthopedics, I gave those away. Um, and then I didn't have to be on call for anesthesia as much either. So, (laughs) um, but, um, so I, I did. I probably did more ER shifts than anyone else in my intern group because I voluntarily took those shifts. Um, but uh, yeah, so during the day, obviously there are other people in the building, and if we needed help, we could ask for it. But after hours, that was it. You're the only doctor in the building, and you had people you could call, and some of them were better about being called than others. Um, some of them were like really gracious about it. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, two o'clock in the morning. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You have to yeah. wake somebody up who was working all day. Um, and so, you know, you can understand they'd be best case scenario, a little groggy, worst case scenario, like really cranky. Um, and some of them were, I didn't have too many issues. I think I did a good job of... You're probably good at ignoring when they were cranky. That's actually maybe more accurate that I just didn't care. Um, and that was, that was actually, there was some truth to that, that I didn't really care if you're cranky because at the end of the day, I need help. And my goal is to treat this patient the best I can. And if I don't feel like I can do that without help, then I'm going to call you. And like, yes, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm waking you up, but not that much. Like yeah. this is, you signed up for this too. Um, so I called for backup, but I, I think I did a good job of also having a plan. I didn't call like, Hey, this thing's on the way. Like that's annoying. Nobody likes that to be woken up for something that may or may not even happen. Um, and I would call and it was, it was never like, I don't know what to do. It was like, here's what I've got. Here's what I've done so far. Here's what I want to do. What am I forgetting? And people were very reasonable about that. I mean, sometimes they were cranky, but like you said, I probably just ignored that. Like whatever. Yeah. I don't, I didn't take it personally. Yeah. Um, whatever. I mean, I'm here working in the middle of the night. If you want to trade, <laughs> how about you come in, I'll go home and sleep and you can wake me up. How about that? <laughs> I just didn't have a lot of sympathy because I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm working more than you yeah, at the end of the paid. day. Yeah. I'm working more than you and getting, getting paid, paid less. Probably a fifth yeah. or a sixth. Yeah. Well, a lot of the times the people I were calling were residents, so they weren't getting paid a Obviously. whole lot more. Half. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe two thirds of what they were making. I don't know. I don't remember. But, um, but I, I did learn a lot because you are there by yourself and, you know, you, it does push you a little bit to think on your feet and like, you know what, if there's an emergency that comes in, yeah, you can call somebody, but like right now this patient needs help. Yeah. Probably, um, it's probably usually you'd know the answer. You just need to do it. You need some, yeah. Um, you need some reassurance. You're here by too. yourself. Just do it. Exactly. And, and, you know it's and right. Exactly. You don't need to Whereas if you're, ask. if it's during the day and there's other people around, you, you second guess yourself. So you're like, it's yeah, so it's easy, easy to just them. ask somebody yeah. and then they reassure you. But at, at night you're just like, no, is, is it worth waking somebody up and having them be grumpy when I actually do know the answer? Yeah. So it does force you to develop your confidence a little bit. And then you do that enough and things work and you're like, okay, look at me go. And then, you know, not always. Sometimes you do that and Don't it didn't work. Again. Well, and, and sometimes, yes, sometimes you do make mistakes and you learn not to do that again. And other times you learn that even though it didn't work out, you did everything right. You know, you'll talk to people about all your cases the next day and say, you know, what should I have done better? They're like, ah, it sounds like you did everything right. And you're like, ugh. That's like partially gratifying, but also really disappointing. Yeah, that's biology. Yeah. 
Um, it's not so, like math where you just put the right number in and it works. Yeah, it, that's not how it goes. So, um, so it was good for learning some of those lessons, um, learning that independence. I, the way it was staffed is. I think at the beginning, after 7 p.m., we didn't have a front desk and there was nobody answering phones, checking people in, taking money. So I, that was me um, or whichever intern was working. And then we ended up getting Luckily somebody, I think, till 11. as a cashier, so you had all, I that, experience. all that experience. That's right. Um, yeah, so I was really good at um, writing down the check information and um, checking people in. Yeah, it sucked, though. Um, we did get somebody to stay later, like halfway through my internship, like somebody was there till like 11. So that was cool. We had a technician um, and she stayed on until like two. Uh, but after two o'clock, most nights, uh, you were completely by yourself. Now they, the ICU, which was down the hall, um, there were techs. So if I really needed extra hands, I can do that. But most of the things I was doing literally by myself, like pulling blood, putting in catheters, doing all this stuff like by myself. If I needed help, I either had to take the animal down to the ICU or and they didn't have a lot Even of checks there. Like- hold this down while yeah. I do this? Yeah. Yeah. I was super inefficient. Now we didn't get a ton of cases after ours, but we got them. I mean, it was definitely, it was a bummer. We could call in, there was like a student on call if we wanted to do x-rays um, or, you know, or some ClinPath stuff and things. But yeah, for like most of the basic things you would do, I mean, sometimes just doing a physical exam, like it's hard to do by yourself, but you get very self-sufficient. Um, so it was good for me in that regard. Um, I'm not sure it was always the best for the patient. Um, so, you know, Again, thankfully, not a lot of internships are run that way. Better than nothing at two in the morning. True. Um, And again, this you know this was fifteen years ago, so almost and thirteen years ago. Things have gotten better. Places have you know expanded and staffed differently and and a little bit better. But it, it does depend on, like you said, if you only see you know a couple of cases after midnight, it's hard to justify you know paying three or four staff members to be there that whole time. So you know businesses have to make those choices. And like you said, is it better to have somebody there? Maybe it's not the ideal situation, but it's better than that than locking your doors. Um, I like to think that I was better than nothing in most of those cases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there might have been a couple where that's not always true, but. Um, yeah, it was really, really good experience. But I did eventually come around to like ER was, that was what I wanted to do. Um, then I had to decide, do I need to specialize or can I just go work ER? Um, and that was a tough decision for me. What, did, what were your uh, doctors saying that you should do? The folks that I worked with were like, you should do a residency. Um, I can remember um, one one of the residents there who um, I, I really loved working with and really respected him, um, still do. Uh, he was like, I can't believe you're considering not doing a residency. In fact, he came up to me one day. He goes, is it true that you are considering not doing a residency? And I was like, yes, it is true. I'm considering not doing a residency. And he was just like appalled, like very nice about it. He was just like, what? This is, this is ridiculous. Um, he was disappointed that I didn't want to do internal medicine, um, I think. But um, he, they, so they were very supportive um, of me doing a residency. They felt like that was what I should do. But I also really liked the idea of not working 100 hours a week and not making terrible pay and like having a life. Uh, I had one, like, I don't know if it was like a holiday. I must have had a holiday, like a long weekend, because you don't really get long weekends, but I must have had a, like a holiday off and a long weekend w- at one point. And I went and... Vacation? Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't... Yeah, I guess is what it was. Um, and uh, and I met my, my parents. So I was in Illinois. They were in Michigan. And we met somewhere in Michigan, somewhere like northern Michigan, I think in like the Cadillac region or something. And we went um, kayaking. Well, they went canoeing and I was kayaking. We rented kayaks and canoes. And it was like, it was awesome. 
Like we had a weekend and we camped and we kayaked and I was like, oh. Nobody called you in the middle of the I wasn't night. on call. Yeah. It was like, it was just like having a life. It was just did stuff. And I realized that like I w- I'd been looking into, you know, what am I going to do after the internship and like ER jobs. I could go work ER and work, you know, 10, 12 shifts a month and make good money and be able to do stuff like this. I could go kayaking. Um, I could have a good time and have the time and the financial resources to do that right now. Like after this year, I could go do that. Um, I have the experience now. I could get hired as an ER doc somewhere. And that was really appealing. You could be like really a TV appealing. show doctor where you just play golf and have amazing yeah. vacations. Yeah. I mean, this is a bit naive, but yeah, that was, that was my, that was, that was what I was debating between. And so once again, I made a stupid decision. <laughs> no, not really. I don't regard it at all. But, um, but I debated quite a bit. Unfortunately, um, as I said, when I started at Illinois, they didn't have a critic list, but they hired one and she started, um, several months after, um, the internship had started. And so it was fortunate for me, um, and you know, nobody else wanted to do ECC in my intern group, but so I was able to go to her and kind of get her input and advice. Um, you know, what are the pros and cons? And to her credit, um, she was not one of the people's like, you have to do a residency. You're a terrible person and you're a bad doctor if you don't do that. She was not in that camp at all. She was like, yeah, there are pros and cons with both and you can go and be an ER doctor and you don't have to do a residency. Um, but we talked about what would be the advantages and, um, and so I, that was really, really helpful, um, good advice, but it didn't actually help me make a decision because <laughs> I was right. like, great, I still don't know what to do. Um, but what did make my decision was actually on ER. It was, um, I think it was, must have been a Friday night into a Saturday or a Saturday night into a Sunday. But the, I, I had been on overnights and coming on to a day shift, but it was a weekend. And um, just after my shift ended, I was like handing off to the day intern. And this case comes in and it's this really, really sick cat. And um, one of the residents who was the day ER backup um, came in and was helping. And so I'm supposed to be gone at this point. Like my shift is done. I'm supposed to go home and sleep. And I was just like fascinated by this case. And it was a cat that had a syndrome called hyperglycemic hyperosmolar syndrome. Never heard of that at that point in my career. I was like, I, I don't even know what this is. It's potassium was like nothing. We were, um, we, because I stuck around because I couldn't leave, um, like essentially bolusing this cat potassium, which is not really, we weren't really bolusing it, but we were giving it way more potassium at a rate that I'd never seen before. And like, I watched this cat improve. It ultimately ended up dying because that's a really terrible syndrome to have. But I, like I could, this, that was critical care. Like that, that was emergency critical care. And I was, I realized that if I left academia at that stage, I mean, I still had like another half year of my internship, but I was like, there's, there's a syndrome I've never even heard of. If that cat came to me, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I have more to learn. And that case was kind of what was the, I was like, I, I don't want to be the doctor who doesn't know that. Right. Something um, dies because. Because I not. just didn't know yeah. um, when I could have, like maybe I could have done some more training and, and, and that's a bit naive. Too. Like there's still going to be things I don't know. There's, there are, there are definitely cases that come in. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. That does happen. Um, but I just felt like, you know what? There's more out there that I haven't learned about and I could if I did a residency. The other aspect of that was I had started to, I hadn't um, sort of, that hadn't coalesced in my mind, but I had started to recognize how much I liked teaching and working with students. Um, because when we were on ER, 
um, it was just us. We didn't have like a, a faculty member supervising us. Like we were kind of in charge. And so on quiet times, of which we, we had a good bit of quiet times at Illinois, I would do rounds and stuff with the students because it's like, what else are we going to do? And did I, the other interns do that? I don't, you know? I don't think most of them did. Yeah. Um, and I would get really good feedback from the students. You know, at the end of a rotation, they're like, we really were like terrified of emergency. We thought it was going to be terrible and it really wasn't that bad. And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> um, I liked it. And again, like we'd get a phone call and everybody's like, ah, oh, this thing's coming in. I'm like, woohoo, this thing's coming in. Um, just because I, none of my intern mates liked ER either. So when they were on ER, I was like, ah, this sucks. Or I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, and so uh, I, I enjoyed those times and, and I did enjoy working with the students and getting an opportunity. Um, not that I knew everything, but I knew a little bit more than they did. And, and so, um, but I think it was mostly just that I had, uh, I liked ER and so I was able to stay calm um, in those situations or relatively speaking um, and felt like I had an impact. So um, the opportunity to stay working with students and things also started to become a part of my, my long-term plans. And, and it's harder in yeah, private practice. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it depends on what's harder. Like just dealing with or having students. Period. Yes. Yeah. It, you don't it, have many students. It's not. Um, that's not the norm. That's going to be like, oh, here's an extra thing. Yeah. Versus in academia, that that is your job. That's part of your job, and that's that's the norm. Um, so yeah, yeah. Not that you never get to teach or work with students in any way, shape, or form again. But in academia, that's that's if one you're of the in goals. Academia, you have a hundred of them. Yeah constantly and always changing. And that's part of your job is, and it's an expected part of your job. It's not like, Oh, here, if you want to do this extra work or it's this extra burden, it's like, no, this, this is it. This is why you're here. Um, so yeah. So the internship was actually a really important year for me to learn a lot of that stuff about myself. Um, I learned a lot of really good things from a lot of really smart people. And, uh, yeah. So then at that point, then I applied for residencies and I applied specifically on time this time. It was, I did make the decision relatively late, but I'd been thinking about it. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So it wasn't like I hadn't even considered it. Yeah. Um, I had started to consider it, but I hadn't made the decision until pretty late. It was probably like a month before that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I had to like get letters and things like, okay, I've decided I'm going to do this. Will you write me a letter? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and which, which ones did you debate between? Or is it always just like ECC? No, it was ECC residency or ER. So it was never at that point. Yeah. At that, I'd never like, considered doing a residency in anything else. Maybe I would else. like to do orthosurgery. No. I never considered a residency in anything else at all. No. Um, like I said, uh, I liked internal medicine and surgery and all those other things. And I think that was part of the appeal of emergency critical care was that I didn't feel like I was completely giving up all the other stuff. You still get to do a lot of procedures, some surgery, depending on what you want your job to be, a lot of internal medicine, um, even some dermatology, <laughs> whether you want it or not. Um, so you still get that variety that you get in private practice. Um, but I get to focus on the sick things, which was what I always liked best. So... Yeah. When I applied for residencies, though, it was only academia because I was like, nope, I think if I'm going to do this, I want to stay in academia. So there you go. That's that's my story. What questions do you have? Do you, you, you feel like you know me a little better now? No. <laughs> <laughs> was any of that new? Uh, Details, maybe? I think I knew. Yeah? yeah? I think I knew it all. You just don't care that much? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're not that interesting. Uh, this is before I knew you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I guess it's boring because you weren't part of it. You weren't in any of those right. stories. I was in college having fun. You were not in... Yeah. You were, I thought you were in high school. Oh, uh, when you were in med school, <laughs> I was in college. I know. I'm joking. Uh, four years behind. All right. So I guess later we'll talk about your residency. 
Sure. And then we can have a, the the money talk one time too. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. What you're getting into if you're not rich enough to afford everything out of pocket, which is yeah. the cheapest way to do it. Yeah, you don't have to pay all that interest. Yeah, yeah. If you're rich, you should definitely go into veterinary medicine and pay for it all up front, um, and not pay the interest. That is definitely my advice. Do what you all right. Do. So I think that's it. Yeah, for that's the enough. Show. I'm done talking about this. Done talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can go to Instagram or Twitter at Vet Journal Club, or you can email us at Veterinary Journal Club. Dot gmail or at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Oh yeah. man, yeah, I'm not the only. It's veterinary journal club at gmail.com. Yeah, we should make that easier. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on that. Bye. Bye.